came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come into America. Good morning, New York. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. We have one great show for you today. We have Governor David Patterson. We have Congressman Peter King. Governor James McGreevy is going to run for Jersey City Mayor. Nicole Mayotakis, Mozzie Phillip, she is going to try to replace George Santos in Nassau County. And let's start off the show with Michael Stoller on Real Estate Report. Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. Affordable housing is a very big need in New York City and around the nation. And this morning, I'm very happy to have one of the leaders of the financing for affordable housing, Andrew Warren, Senior Vice President at TD Bank. So, Andrew, let's talk about affordable housing. What is what is affordable housing, especially in New York City? A lot of different things that, that we call affordable housing in New York. What we mostly talk about when we say affordable housing is subsidized housing, income-restricted, rent-restricted housing. But there's a whole ecosystem of different types of real estate, different apartments across the city. We have public housing. We have rent-stabilized housing. We have Section 8 vouchers that some folks have. You know, when we do affordable housing, when we build it, we're talking about long-term permanent affordable housing for, for families and individuals that are making below a certain income. And because they're making below a certain income, we can keep it affordable by keeping the rent below a certain level. What's the status with the New York City Housing Authority buildings? These buildings are over 75 years of age, or some may be close to 100 years of age. What, what's happening with those apartments? How do you get in those apartments? And are they renovating and re, re, restoring these buildings? Yeah, New York City Housing Authority. I mean, NYCHA is 500,000, over 500,000 people in the city. If you looked at NYCHA as a standalone city, it would be the 35th largest city in America. It's bigger than Atlanta. It's bigger than Cleveland. It's bigger than Miami in some places. So to get in, the waiting list for these units are are miles long. It's It's truly you know, housing for people that desperately need it. But what's happened over the past 75 to 100 years as these units were built, you know, starting in the 30s and 40s, is they just haven't had the investment over time. They haven't been able to keep up with the maintenance. About a decade ago, we talked about a $30 billion price tag to bring the units at NYCHA up to habitability and code to be able to bring all the offline units back online. And that price tag, based on price escalations and just the world we live in, is somewhere about $78 billion now. It's a massive undertaking, and it's something that the city is taking seriously, and what I think the city is going to be focusing on for the next decade as they try and bring people back in. Now, part of that use of that property could be the garages over there that were built years ago, mm-hmm. and they could knock down the garages and build housing. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's density that can be added to certain sites. I think, I think one of the nice things about a lot of NYCHA projects is that you do have green spaces, which are pretty important for the city. There are lots of projects that are being discussed. They're complicated and they're controversial, depending upon how long they're going to take. But trying to bring more units in, trying to take underutilized sites. We did a project out in Bushwick where we did take an underutilized parking lot and we added seniors housing to that site. It's a really great project and it's an opportunity to take. Now, so, and how do you qualify to get into one of these apartments? Everything in affordable housing is income restricted. So depending upon how many people live in your household, 
depending upon you know where you are in the country, there's an income limit that is provided on a local basis. So for an individual, you know, senior, you know, that that's pretty low, especially in in these types of units. What the city also focuses on is trying to get deeper affordability, so you can get people making as little as thirty percent of the New York City median income. New which York is City, which is what? So family of four right now, that's about one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. Not not poor, but not a lot. You know, not right. enough to make means. So if you're talking about thirty percent of that, you're talking about somebody making. You know, call it twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year, depending upon their household size. When what they, about the lottery system? Explain to my yeah. listeners. So, in order to get into affordable housing in New York City, there's something called Housing Connect, and there's a website. It's totally transparent that anybody can apply to. They publish any unit that's coming online that's been subsidized, so that anybody that wants to apply to that unit can apply to it, as long as you make the income restrictions and as long as you're the right household size. You know, you get entered into a lottery for those units. And just to give you clear context of how hard it is to get a unit, a typical affordable housing project of 100 units is going to get 80 to 120,000 people applying. I mean, it's really a lottery for these units. And the the qualification is strictly on income and family size? Income and household size, yeah. So I have a question with regard to somebody qualifies today because they're earning X amount of money. They're at $30,000 or mm-hmm. something. Subsequently, they increase and they're now earning $100,000. What is the rent going to be for those people? So it, it stays the same, right? The rents go up based on incomes going up across the city, but not based on the individual's income. And stepping aside, you know, rent protections and rent regulations, I think you find out that that doesn't happen as frequently as possible, and the people end up making significantly below the max income in these units. What you do end up seeing is that for people that start to make over a certain income that don't qualify for the lottery in the first place, there really is nothing for those people whatsoever. Once you cross that 80% immediate income ban, which is a family of four making about you know, $80,000, $90,000, $100,000 a year, that's, that's it. You're stuck with market rate housing, and there's really nothing for those folks. You look at the city right now, and you've got rent burden for about 33% of our households that pay more than 50% of their income towards rent each month. About half of New York City pays more than a third. So these units are a lifeline. Staying in these units is the problem because we don't have anything beyond that low income you know, threshold for those families to move into that can also be affordable. Once they cross it, they market rate, they're, you know, they're going to be paying significantly more. And, and that means that they can't stay. So I'm very happy to have you today, happy that TD Bank is a big supporter of these projects of affordable housing. New York City people, we want the city to grow and continue to strive, and I'd like to thank you again for being here on the Stoller Report. Thank you. It's Sunday morning, eight days before Christmas, and with us today is Governor David Patterson, and... uh, uh, Governor, uh, what wise uh, words do you have for us today? Well, you know, John, last weekend, so this would be last Friday night, but not this past Friday night, I get a phone call from someone who was quite reliable, actually, and they told me that the mayor of the city of New York was going to be indicted on what would become what would be Monday, which would have been last Monday. And they suggested to me that I call someone and let them know this is coming. And and all that, you know, 
the person who was delivering the message sounded very reliable. But um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday came, and nothing happened. And I hearken back, John, to an incident that happened in 2010, and it was actually the night of the Super Bowl. And I'm watching the Super Bowl. I'm governor at the time. And there's a news ticker crawling across the screen saying that Governor Patterson is going through a tank in a scandal that will dwarf the scandal of his predecessor, Elliot Spitz. That's what it actually says. So we did you know, did you know anything about it? <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't know anything about it. And so um, I, um, at the time, We'd be getting all these, like, once once a rumor mill starts, it's like you're in the schoolyard and you're the new kid in the class. And every day it seemed like there was some new accusation. So I decided not to answer um, and to go ahead and, and, and call the press conference like they said I was going to. And then at the press conference I was going to say, <laughs> there's nothing here. And you media people know who the sources are, so I think you owe it to the New York public to tell us who these sources are that are spreading these lies and innuendos and rumors. And um, eventually, I was the news that were uh, brought before, uh, against me, and I paid a fine for the crime of the century. John, you remember that one, the Yankees tickets. Yes. I still don't remember who won the game because I didn't see it. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how you can, you, you can get in trouble for getting tickets in a game that you can't see. Yes. <laughs> you know, no one ever raised that until you did about a year ago, and it, it's priceless. But uh, so, but getting back to Mayor Adams, I feel that he's going through this now. You know, there are these people taking out polls on who's going to win if he uh, has to leave. And listen, um, I have great faith in the FBI and in the other uh, law enforcement institutions. I respect them, and I'm not—I'm really not criticizing them. They're doing their jobs. I agree. But I'm saying that there are uh, individuals who are always around who would like to see you fail or would like to replace you, and they really uh, have the advantage here because they can. Uh, print these faceless stories or circulate these wild rumors. And I know that Mayor Adams can say whatever he wants, but it's hard to keep your focus when you are going through that. And I know because I went through it. So I'm just thinking, I mean, uh, President Trump uh, has a right. Governor Patterson, I agree with you. I experienced it last Uh, week. I experienced it last week. When I was at a uh, conference uh, for Greek investors that came in from uh, Athens, and I had this this uh, uh, Greek reporter from Washington, uh, Michael Ignatio or something like that. I can't pronounce his name right. And he writes a lousy story about me. I said this, this, and this. The good news is I had a copy of the video of my speech, and he and and his and. Everything he wrote about in his paper was wrong. 
So between me and Father Alex, we distributed worldwide to to Athens, to Constantinople, to, 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 to New York, to Washington, and everybody found out that he was full of crap. Tell me your next story. <laughs> uh, John, once they reported that I was um, uh, in a, a nightclub. It wasn't a nightclub. It was a, an event for um, one of the broadcast networks. And they said I was with a woman. And they had a picture of the woman. They wanted people to identify her. And the woman was my daughter. Because oh she was my trying god. to get a job there. <laughs> oh my god! So, so these things happen, but you know, these reporters have very... nothing to do but to, to try to stir the pot to make themselves famous. A- absolutely, and it, and it just totally uh, puts a lot of pressure not only on the mayor and his associates, but also on the. Um, uh, the, the law enforcement agencies who are investigating something, we don't know exactly what it is, but they're trying to do their job. And they're not, they, they, I'm sure they were not happy to hear that there were rumors all over the last city that the uh, mayor was going to be indicted. And it's, I think right now, this city deserves better. We have bigger problems, we have budget problems, we have uh, issues about our next election, our federal election, and we just don't need it. Absolutely correct. Well, Governor Patterson, let's pray. Next week it's Christmas. Let's pray for the best, and and uh, God bless you. God bless America, and, and let's hope America survives. Let's hope New York survives, and, and we all have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you, John. Take care. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. What is today is Congressman Peter King, and uh, we're going to get up to date on where the heck we are. I mean, Congressman King represented boys in Congress for 28 years and uh, represented Nassau County and Queens in, in uh, Washington. And uh, Congressman King, Sunday morning, the week before Christmas, where the heck are we? Well, all of us are looking for forward to Christmas. Uh, many of our Jewish friends, of course, have been observing Hanukkah and celebrating uh, Hanukkah. Uh, but uh, no, things things are tough out there. They really are. We hope to get some joy and relief from all of this during the Christmas uh, holiday season. Uh, well, one one decision that was made uh, just the other day here in Nassau County, which also involves Queens County, and in many ways is going to affect the entire United States Congress and the country is the open seat that was uh, created when George Santos was uh, removed from Congress. It's the uh, north shore of uh, Long Island going down into the Massapequas. Uh, it's a, a district that Santos uh, was forced to vacate. And Republicans this week in uh, Nassau and Queens, it's a joint seat, uh, they uh, nominated uh, Mazi Philippe as a candidate. Uh, she is going to be running... Uh, in this district, it's, I said he goes across the north shore of uh, Long Island, of, of Nassau County, into Queens, along the uh, north northeast Queens uh, Queens line, uh, and but it also goes down into uh, areas in uh, the southern part of Nassau, areas like Massapequa, Levittown, Farmingdale, 
So it's going to definitely be a very competitive race. You'll probably, John, see millions and millions of dollars being spent on this race because the uh, Democrats want to win that seat to show that the momentum is theirs. Republicans want to hold it. So it's going to be a really a fought-out battle. Joe Cairo, he and his uh, committee, and I was on the committee for some of the meetings, interviewed uh, 25, 26 different potential candidates before they agreed on Mozzie Philippe, uh, Mozzie Philip, actually, uh, it's an unusual name she has, Mozzie Mozzie uh, Philip. Mozzie uh, has a great, great life story to tell. She was born in Ethiopia. She's Ethiopian refugee. She escaped, literally, she and the family, when she was, I guess, 12 years old, uh, escaped from Ethiopia in the middle of the night, went to Israel. While she was in Israel, growing up, she uh, joined the Israeli army and became a paratrooper. She was a paratrooper in the Israeli army. Then uh, she moved to the United States. She and her husband was a Ukrainian-born cardiologist. They have seven children. She lives in the Great Neck area of Long Island, which was a long-time Democratic stronghold. And yet, uh, Mazi in 2021, became the first Republican ever to win a seat in the county legislature from Great Neck. She won by a solid uh, margin. And then this time around, she was reelected by an overwhelming margin. So she really has uh, everything it takes. She's incredibly able. She's articulate. She says she has seven children. How she does that, I don't know. Uh, she, uh, I remember in the 2021 campaign, she delivered twins uh, about five weeks before Election Day. And two weeks later, the final weeks of the campaign, she was out of the street campaigning, including going to train stations and giving speeches. And uh, she won a solid victory. So Mazi is... Uh, she understands uh, military policy, having been a paratrooper in the Army. She understands foreign policy, having lived in two countries, Ethiopia and Israel, before moving to the United States. And she certainly uh, understands the issues facing families as the mother of seven children. And when it comes to health care, she has a cardiologist husband that she can turn to for advice. But Mazi also, as an elected official in the Nassau County Legislature, has done Great job of communicating with the constituents. She provides tremendous uh, constituent service. She's uh, again a, a pleasure to you know, to be with. Incre- incredibly intelligent, and uh, it's, listen, it's uh, a seat that has been held by Democrats for many, many years. Uh, I guess going back to wow, uh, well into the 1980s, 70s. That was a Democratic district, uh, but uh, the congressional district. But right now. In the last local elections of November of 2023, uh, Republicans scored victories in the parts of the district where Mazi is now running. So uh, I say my Democrats might be a slight favorite among some people. I'm confident that Mazi Pellup is going to win this race and it's going to be a solid win. It's going to be tough, tough, all-out battle. Understood, and uh, and he's and she's going to be facing uh, uh, a Democratic end. What's his name? Uh, Suarez. Tom Swazi. Tom Swazi. Swazi. Yeah, Tom. Tom was the uh, county executive of Nassau County. He lost that, and then he was uh, elected to Congress in 2016, and he uh, was in Congress from 2016 to 2022. So that's six. That's four times he was in Congress. Uh, and uh, actually, so this is going to be a big battle. 
Yeah, he was in the Congress for three terms, but then he ran for governor as Kathy Hochul, and he, and he lost. He lost the uh, uh, primary to Kathy Hochul, and uh, so now he's trying to get his seat back in, in Congress. And again, it'll be, uh, it's always going to be a tough race. Your Tom is a seasoned campaigner. He's been around a long time. He certainly understands politics, and uh, he's won a number of races. He's lost a few races, but he knows his way around. Now, this will be a, 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 be a, a tough battle. But I think it's going to be, again, uh, it's going to be an honest, clean, hard-fought battle. Uh, Mozzie is very principled. I've worked with Tom. I think that between the two of them, people are going to see what politics and government can be when it's done the right way. And I'm confident in the end that Mozzie's going to win, and I certainly will be doing all that I can to get her across the finish line. Uh, my wife, Rosemary, and I have had dinner with Mozzie and, and her husband, and solid people. Uh, I'm proud to support her. Out to Noah, and I'm looking forward to the race. Well, I look forward to it too, and uh, it's going to be a big battle. I think they, both sides are going to spend a lot of money. Uh, estimates are like $20 million a piece, but maybe even more. Uh, well, let's see what happens. Well, Congressman Peter King, uh, tomorrow uh, uh, is Monday. We'll see you then. And it's a week, oh, yeah. seven days before Christmas. Yes, well, coming down to it. Let's try to find a way to really enjoy Christmas this year. Uh, and uh, you know, no matter which day we celebrate it on, we should all come together. And also, I was proud to be celebrating Hanukkah with my Jewish friends. This is the time of the year we have to find joy where we can because there's so much sadness going on in the world. Understood. Thank you so much, and we'll catch up again real soon. That's great, John. Thanks. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. Good morning, New Jersey. Well, With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. With us today is uh, Jim McGreevy, and he has made a decision. He is running for mayor, and uh, uh, this is Sunday morning. Christmas is only a a week away. Uh, Governor, uh, congratulations on uh, running for uh, uh, mayor of Jersey City. But my only great city of Jersey City, John. Yeah, but do I have to call you mayor? I, I got used to calling you governor. The Statue of Liberty. Okay. Pardon? Can I still call you governor? <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody ever called me. Well, governor, uh, you're going to run you, for uh, mayor of Jersey City. You got great views of Jersey City. It's a great city. Tell us what you're going to do to make it even better. Well, John, you know, Jersey City is a great city. It's the second largest city in the state. And it was the gateway for immigrants, the gateway for so many to come to New Jersey and this country. I think there are a couple of basic challenges. Jersey City's benefited so much from a major economic boom, which has been tremendous in terms of downtown. But now we also have to make sure that we maintain the affordability of the city so that we can keep you know, working class families in Jersey City. Second is in terms of our schools. 
We want to make sure that young people have the skills necessary to compete in the workforce. I mean, training is so important. Not everybody necessarily is going to go on to college, whether it's HVAC or CDL or electrician or construction. Having those skills to compete in the workforce are so important. Also, in addition to affordability and training, is to make sure that our city is well-planned and you can get from one place to another. I mean, traffic is becoming a problem, and we have to grapple with some of those challenges to make sure that traffic can move from point A to point B. And then, of course, you want to make sure the city is always safe and secure. So it's, if you will, John, it's, it's nuts and bolts. It's bread and butter. You want a clean city. You want a city that works. You want a city that's attractive to business. And you want to be able to control the property taxes because property taxes have an impact on everybody, whether it's a homeowner or a renter. Unfortunately, property taxes drive up the cost of residential housing. So, like, government has to live within its means, just like every family does. You have to control spending and you have to be, you know, responsible with the purse strings so that you live within a budget. Understood. And we would hope everybody has common sense like that. But right now, with uh, in New York City, with the migrant crisis and the people exiting New York, uh, they have a budget problem that nobody really wants to acknowledge. Acknowledge. Uh, the city council doesn't want to come on to acknowledge. The, we don't want to get Tom, poor Tom DiNapoli on in for the state to acknowledge because he'll get in trouble with people. Nobody's acknowledging. How is the problem well, in I mean, Jersey City? What you City? have to do is, John, I mean, on the immigrant crisis, it's, it's a national crisis. And frankly, there's a responsibility with the federal government that impacts all Americans or all cities or all states, wherever people are. And so... You know, we have different levels of government. We have local levels of government. We have state level and we have a federal level. And certain responsibilities are clearly defined as being within one level of government. And I think immigration is clearly a federal problem. And the federal government, whether Republican or Democrat, has to stand, you know, stand up and, you know, provide their fair share of the dollars. And whether it's New York City or another city in California or Texas or Michigan, the point is this is a federal challenge, and the federal government has to do its fair share. So well, I mean, we I, all I agree think- with you. Governor, we all agree with you. But when Mayor Adams dare, dare get on an airplane to go meet uh, six other uh, black uh, mayors uh, to, to challenge uh, President Biden, guess what? Same thing that happened to Andrew Cuomo. He got investigated by the FBI. Well, I mean, it's just, I mean, John, I mean, for a system of government to work, people have to do what is responsible. And for me, the level of government on a mayor is making sure the garbage is picked up, making sure the street is clean, making sure kids have a good quality education, making sure that government doesn't spend money it doesn't have. And I want to be that mayor for Jersey City that, you know, keeps that prosperity, keeps that development. I'd like it to be a little more balanced so that we have workforce, so that our police, our fire, our educators, um, working class families, uh, families that are in the technical trades, 
people from, you know, the community can continue to live there. And so it, for me, it's getting back to bread and butter and being that good mayor and taking care of all those good Greek Orthodox churches that John Casamitidis, you know, supports every year with a generous contribution. And Governor McGreevy, John Katzmatidis, WABC, support you because you're a man of God. You love God. And I want to help you. And, you, and, I, and, uh, yeah, and I want to wish you and Margot, John, a, a happy and blessed Christmas. And the world should know that John gives so much to so many in need. People who, who don't want a, a handout, they want a hand up. And so I just want to thank you and Margo at this station for giving back in ways that whole lots of people have no knowledge of. And, John, so just, you know, you're, you're, you're building that rope, pulling people up, and, and God willing, that grace and that generosity will be rewarded in your life in multiple ways. So I just want to say thank you to you and Margo for your decency and your, your caring. Governor McGravesy, thank you. Uh, have a great uh, Christmas, and we'll talk again in, in the new year. All right. Thanks, John. God bless. God bless. What is today is Congresswoman Nicole Nagatakis, and so many things are going on in, in New York and in uh, Washington, the world. Nicole, where do you want to start off this Sunday morning? Well, John, as you said, there's so many things going on, but I think it's important to highlight uh, that this Congress just passed uh, the biggest pay increase for our military men and women. You don't know if uh, with food inflation and the soaring prices, it's making it harder for these military families, these young military families, to support themselves. And recently we found that many were going to food pantries in my district. And so I thought this was significant that we're working on that and their base housing allowance. It's long overdue. And we talk about prioritizing our spending, cutting wasteful spending and then putting it where it actually matters. I think this is one of the things that is a really good thing for uh, our future, making sure we we keep enrollment uh, in our military and that these people who are willing to give their life are able to actually support their families. Understood. And uh, uh, I understand there's been a lot of problems with with, uh, the migrants in New York City. Uh, and uh, things not being handled well? John, it's an absolute mess here in New York City. And let's remind the audience that uh, this was Joe Biden's open borders that created this. He undid the policies of President Trump. And locally in New York City, we have a mayor that continues to say that the city has an obligation to house the citizens of other countries, regardless of how many are coming to New York City. Uh, that, that is just ridiculous. It's become so unaffordable where the mayor is now trying to propose, he's proposing across the board cuts, hiring freezes, libraries will be closed on certain days. We're down about, uh, we're down thousands of police officers that he won't hire. Uh, we are also seeing uh, school safety agents cut from the schools Trash is only going to be picked up a couple of, you know, less, less days now as a result of this, particularly in the city parks. Uh, so it is a real crisis that was created by, uh, you know, Mayor Adams, Governor Hochul, and President Biden. What I would say is we can resolve this today if Chuck Schumer just takes up the border security bill that we passed in May. Do you know that there were nearly 2 million individuals smuggled into this country by the drug cartels? 
in, in, in those months since May, uh, that could have been all prevented. And imagine the fentanyl that is continuing to stream in. So we support legal immigration. We want people to come to this country the right way um, and, and, and wait in line and do, do the things like our families have done. Um, and I will tell you, I'm very proud to have helped uh, about 150 people become U.S. citizens, people that did everything right. But we will not tolerate rate what we're seeing at our border, and we hope that Chuck Schumer will pass our legislation to finally do something about it because it is about safety um, and it's certainly about fiscal sanity uh, for our city and our nation. Well, I think there's a different way of saying it uh, to say that you, uh, we want, we need immigrants. Uh, we need workers. We want, them, uh, we want them to go through an Ellis Island system like our forefathers used to go to. Checks and balances. That's what you need. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to chase away anybody. But everybody has to go through a checks and balance system, like Ellis Island, and uh, and pledge allegiance to the American flags. And we have to know who's coming and going. We can't just have open borders not knowing who's coming and going. That's absolutely right, John. That's why I was so well. So see, the happy Republicans are saying, mm-hmm. Nicole, I love you dearly, but then the Republicans are saying you're wrong. I think I'm saying you're right. Well, look, I think the bottom line here is we just want people to come and apply and and come legally and be able, you're right, to support themselves. I think what we've seen here is an abuse of the system where people are coming over, being smuggled by the uh, cartels. Each person that's coming is paying thousands of dollars to the cartels to get you. Nobody crosses the Rio Grande without paying the drug cartels. And that's the problem. The way the system is, you're emboldening these cartels to continue to 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 their nefarious activities. So the bottom line here is it's it's safe for everyone involved. It's safe for the migrants. It's safe for American citizens and everyone involved. When we and I want to be I want it. I want it to be safe for our citizens that we're not getting a bunch of criminals, a bunch of terrorists, a bunch of dope addicts, and drug dealers, uh, I want to make sure we're getting the right people in and people that will swear allegiance to the United States of America. You're absolutely right, John. Look, 1.7 million individuals have come in the country unexpected. We don't know who they are, where they are, what their intentions are. That's on top of the 7 million that have applied for asylum, right? So we're people uh, who we don't know who they are, uh, and, that, and that is the problem when we have caught dozens of people on the terror watch list at our border. And our greatest ally, Israel, is at war with Hamas. Uh, Iran has made threats that they want to attack us on our own soil, uh, increasing tensions between the United States and, and China. I mean, there's a lot happening in the world, in a post-9-11 world, to have this type of unsafe and unsustainable policy. And that's why we hope uh, the Senate takes up our bill. And if you don't like our bill, pass your own bill. Let's reconcile the differences, but let's get something done. We agree 100%. Nicole Mayotakis, thank you uh, for coming on this Sunday morning and getting it off. We both get it off our chest. And thank you so much. And we'll Merry Christmas coming. And um, I hope to catch up with you before Christmas. Merry Christmas, John, to you and your family. Thank you. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. Today is the New York State Chairman of the GOP, and a lot of things are happening. Uh, one of the things is there's a new uh, person in town to uh, take over the Santos 
congressional seat. Uh, Ed Cox, fill in all uh, New Yorkers about what the heck is going on. Well, yesterday we had a great candidate who was announced out in Nassau County, Congressional District 3, the old Santos seat. You know, he was expelled from the House of Representatives, and we have a great candidate to replace him, uh, Africa, a, a Jewish individual who is from Ethiopia uh, and is of color and served in the Israeli IDF. Uh, and she celebrates our democratic values. She's moved to the United States. She has seven children here, and her husband's a doctor, and she won a very difficult-to-win legislative seat in Nassau County, and now she's announced that she's running to, uh, to be the representative from that 3rd Congressional District in the House of Representatives. I understand. Uh, that's uh, uh, a key race right now because it determines what's going on in our city, in our state. Um, and uh, she's going to be opposing uh, of the former uh, congressman in that district, uh, Tom Swazi. Uh, and how do you think the people uh, are uh, going to react? Well, Tom Swasey is rather shopworn. Uh, he was a county exec in 2009, uh, and uh, we defeated him with a complete unknown. So it's the same situation as here uh, in that sense. And uh, then he, he ran for Congress, was there for a bit, and then he decided to challenge the government. He's always wanted to move up to a higher position. Uh, and he's very shopworn in doing that. The reason we defeated him as a, a sitting county exec in 2009 is that he was looking to run for governor. And he finally did run for governor, uh, primary governor Hochul, and lost. Uh, so Swazi is very shopworn. Uh, and uh, Mazi is new and fresh, and she really believes in the values that we believe in, that Israel believes in values of democracy and, uh, and free enterprise, and that's what have made America great, and she is very much in that. But there are seven children, believe me. She believes in family values. Well, that's the most important thing to people right now, family values and common sense. Uh, Ed Cox, New York State Chairman, thank you very much for calling in this Sunday morning, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Looking forward to it. Well, there's a new candidate to fill in uh, George Santos's seat. Her name is Marcy Phillip, a Republican leader uh, in Nassau County. Uh, and uh, uh, she's uh, been nominated or, or by the Republican Party uh, to run for the Congress seat of George Santos. And uh, good morning, uh, Nancy. Tell us uh, what, what, what's going on in Nassau County. Thank you, John. We are very excited. Nassau County is very excited for, for the special election that's going to take place uh, February 13. Uh, we had our opening uh, this noon, and we were very excited. I saw the support. People are with me. Everybody feeling the energy. It feels good. I'm very excited to serve the third congressional election. Uh, 
districts, and uh, I'm very thankful that the Republican Party and the Conservative Party gave me the opportunity to run for Congress. Uh, I think a lot of people are happy. Uh, they want just somebody with common sense, and uh, uh, they want to keep Nassau County safe. Uh, give us your your big picture of you just ran for another uh, uh, seat. Tell us what you stand for, because I think the people in Nassau County overall would like to know what you stand for. Oh, definitely. First of all, you know, as I said, we are very excited, and it's all about the people, uh, serving the people. And the Nassau County people want a good government, and Republicans want to secure our borders, and uh, public safety is very important, lowering taxes is very important, supporting Israel is very important, uh, to improve our economy is very important. Uh, that is, those are the issues that we will be focusing, and I was very happy uh, to be able, um, um, you know, to go to Washington very soon and to be the voice for the people. Uh, that is uh, certainly uh, what the people of Nassau County want. They, they want to feel safe. They want the United States to be safe. And, uh, and um, that's common sense. Um, what else would you like to tell the people of Nassau County and Queens County, which your district is part of? You know, um, I don't know how much you know about my, my story. You know, I was born in Tell Ethiopia. us about your story. Tell us your background. Yes. So I was born in Ethiopia in a small village when I was 12 years old uh, in the middle of the Civil War. United States and Israel uh, came together with plan to rescue about uh, 14,000 Ethiopian Jews in 36 hours. And I was one, one of the, that person uh, who arrived in 1991 in the middle of civil war to Israel for uh, a better life, uh, for uh, more opportunities. Um, I finished my high school. I served in the IDF uh, almost uh, two years. And then right after um, I did my degrees, I did my master's degree in diplomacy and security. And then about 17 years ago, I met my husband in Israel, and uh, we came here. I live in Great Neck. I have seven children. I, I got involved in politics because I wanted to make sure um, this beautiful country that gave me the opportunity um, to, to live a comfortable life and uh, to send to my kids to good school um, and to even to be elected at the county legislature for the 10th district. Uh, all those opportunities I received, I want to make sure my children, my grandchildren will continue to have. We have a beautiful country, and we all should be very much appreciative. And government is all about people, and I want to be that person. I'm not, I'm not a typical politician. I'm a person of action. I like to make sure things are done. I don't like just to talk. And this was, I was this is what I was doing the last two years as a county legislator, and people have a, a you know, a trust in me, and I'm very excited to, to be the voice for the American people. America has been good for me, as I said, and I want to give back. Understood. You want you, the same reasons I'm working so hard at the age of 75. I want my children. You want your seven children and grandchildren to come to have a better life in the United States. And what what's happening right now is they're trying to ruin our country. And and I applaud to what you want to do. And uh, God bless you. And uh, God bless America, and I hope you uh, succeed in helping our children. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. As you said, we all appreciate the United States of America, and we have to support our law enforcement. They are here to protect our communities, and we have to be very thankful, and we have to work with them, because safety is number one concern for Nassau County residents. Agreed. But thank you. GOP chairman in Nassau County uh, did a great job helping select you. Uh, I, w- I want to commend Joe Cairo for doing a great job selecting you, and God bless you again. God bless America. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. God bless America. Thank you. How the heck is the economy going? Larry, what's going on? Well, um, so the market was up another 1,000 points this week. Enjoy. Interest rates are down. Stocks are up. The Cudlow Trust is doing very well. I've forgotten what it feels like to have a good stock market. So just enjoy. Enjoy. That's all I can say. (laughs) How long it's going to last, who knows? Doesn't matter. Sit back and relax. And it goes to show you why you should always be uh, invested. Like I always own the uh, S&P index, the spiders, uh, or you can buy the ETFs, whatever. They're real cheap because, you know, you if you're not in them, you'll miss rallies like this. And this is a splendid rally, and it's based on falling interest rates. So enjoy. It's a wonderful thing. Wealth creation is a wonderful thing. 150 million investors did very well the last uh, six or seven weeks. It's a wonderful thing. Why is there such arguments amongst the Fed themselves? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure what the argument is inside. I mean, I think these guys uh, probably are suggesting that they're going to move faster to lower their target rate uh, than they actually are going to move. I mean, the market is now pricing in seven rate cuts on the Fed funds policy rate. You're not going to get seven rate cuts next year. You're not. Uh, their own internal numbers suggest uh, three or four rate cuts. I don't even know if you'll get that. John Williams, the president of the New York Fed, where I started my career 50 years ago, he said, hold on a second, you're going too fast. But really, this was not, this rally is not a function of the Fed. This was a function of the decline in 10-year bond yields, which went from over 5% of five, six, seven weeks ago to now less than four. I think the bond uh, finished about 390 or 392. And it's interesting, too. Energy prices are down, and commodity indexes are also down while interest rates are down. There's a little bit of deflation in the air. And you know what? The Fed should not be scared of deflation because um, Biden and the Fed have given us high inflation for three years. So if prices fell for a change, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. And the economy will be much slower next year. But it doesn't matter. This is a situation where be glad you're invested. And for those people that think they can outguess the market on a daily or weekly basis, this is a good lesson why you can't. This is a good lesson why passive investing always does better than active investing, with very few exceptions. Understood. Well, thank you, Larry. That's enough. (laughs) Thanks, Larry. If you ever miss a segment or want to hear it again, go to WABCRadio.com, go to podcasts, go to minicasts, and play back your favorite segment.
Thank you for being with us for the Cats Roundtable Local Edition, the number one show on Sunday mornings in New York. Keep listening to us for the Cats Roundtable National Edition between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. So we'll be back to you in a few minutes after the news. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno.